Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined as always by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. The Talking Tide podcast available to you at Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to pick up your podcast. We're live on YouTube and Facebook as well. The Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. You can get links to all of our podcasts just as soon as they drop with a follow on Twitter. Give us a like and a subscribe on Facebook and YouTube as well. We're going to be previewing Alabama's fall camp here this evening on a rare Monday night edition of the Talking Tide podcast. And of course, we want to thank Peter Brook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, a fine sponsor who we will be talking a little bit more about later in the program. But Travis, first things first, we turn over are it's basically the end of the talking tide year now uh we put to bed season seven and we embark upon new seasons on this show with our annual fall camp preview so season eight f1 here tonight as we look ahead to this 2023 alabama fall camp what about it travis put up with each other for eight years on this thing now the ocho yeah. Uh, at uh, Talking Tide. No, it's been a blast, man. I can't believe it's been eight years. Kind of like I can't believe Nick Saban is, what, going into his 17th season at Alabama. Uh, I can't believe it's been eight years for us. By the way, Bob Rutherford here checking in on the on the, uh, on the the chat. So, uh, Bob, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's, uh, I guess, 2015 roughly would have been when the time we got this thing launched. We, we've been on a couple of different platforms, a couple we like, a couple not so much. Took an independent while, uh, but banging along here and uh, having a good time doing it. No question about it. All right, Travis. Fall camp underway. Practice begins Thursday. I believe the team kind of reconvenes and checks in on Wednesday. And, of course, Sunday, six days from our broadcast here tonight, it'll be uh, the return of Fan Day. We've discussed that a little bit as well. So a lot to get into, but but definitely the uh, certainly the number one thing on the minds of Alabama fans entering fall camp, Travis, is who's going to play the quarterback position. Let's just go ahead and tackle that topic uh, right out of the gate. We've seen some quarterback battles at Alabama under Nick Saban where – he wouldn't say who the starter was going to be, but you kind of knew. And then there's been a couple where he wouldn't say and nobody knew. And right now I think this is this is one of those races where there's just no telling. Uh, sports books are putting odds on it, believe it or not. Uh, given Ty Simpson, as a matter of fact, uh, favorite status, he's plus 105, Travis, to, <laughs> to start against Middle Tennessee State, plus 140 for Tyler Buckner, plus 300 for Jalen Milrow. 
uh, which surprised me, certainly. I wrote about that not too long ago in the Tuscaloosa News. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you, you know Nick Saban loves to see sports gambling handicapping as his quarterback competition, right? Oh, my goodness. You can get down on anything these days, Chase, just the way the man likes it. But, yeah, it's uh, you're right. There have been some years where, okay, you had two guys, maybe A.J. McCarron, Phillip Sims, which in the spring of 2011, that did feel nip and tuck. But by the time they got to that season opener before Alabama went to Penn State there in week two, uh, you, you got the sense that it was pretty much AJ. That was confirmed for us up in State College. And and maybe that's going to be the case this time around, except there's three guys legitimately in this mix. I agree with you. Uh, I don't have a great feel. I, if I were going to make one prediction about how this thing might uh, unfold, it would be I, I kind of expect Tyler Buckner in some form or fashion to be one of the two when it comes down to that part of it. I, just a feeling I have about it. Um, but whether that's Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson, I, I won't be surprised by much. We've also seen Nick Saban split reps in a season opener at that quarterback position at times when he's not ready to come with a starter. Uh, it wouldn't shock me to see some of that against Middle Tennessee State in early September as well. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it's just going to be fascinating to watch how this competition is administered. You know, when you get a couple of preseason scrimmages, uh, you get Middle Tennessee in week one. Realistically, how does this time frame unfold in terms of narrowing things down? Because you're going to have to. And I know Nick's talked about, uh, you know, different ways to do that, rotating guys, different days. Uh, pair up two of them, have the third guy working in another way. Uh, but boy, you, you just don't have, you know, 25 years ago, you go three times a day in two a day. <laughs> so, right. you know, you could get more reps in three days of two a days back in the old days than you can get in probably a week uh, nowadays. So, uh, again, that to me is, is going to be the, the fascinating aspect as much as anything else. Yeah, no doubt. I, me personally, I think Middle Tennessee State is is probably the one and only game up front where we could see this competition kind of drag on. I, I, I realize Texas is the big game early on the schedule, but if you're Nick Saban, I don't think you want to go down to Tampa and play USF and still be juggling a couple guys. If they don't have a guy, if they're not ready to step on the gas with one guy coming out of camp, I think one game against Middle Tennessee State's probably going to be all it takes for them to uh, pick a horse and run with it. You hope so, because another sort of parallel that you could draw with this situation is 2015 with Cooper Bateman and Jake Coker. And that was pretty bizarre because you came out of an impressive win over Wisconsin that season in Arlington in the season opener. And you think, well, it's going to be Coker. And then you get to Ole Miss and here's Cooper Bateman starting the game. You know, and you right. kind of had to lose a game that year to to identify your starting quarterback. And Jake took it from there. They win the national championship. You know, where Texas comes into this is similar to Ole Miss because like Ole Miss in 2015, you talk about offensive prowess. Chad Kelly for Ole Miss those years ago. Quinn Ewers this time around with a full stock 
of wide receivers and an outstanding tight end in Jatavian Sanders. Both of his offensive tackles are back. You better be ready to score some points in week two. So I, I don't think you want to get beyond Middle Tennessee really without having a good sense of who your guy is. But certainly if you don't uh, buy Texas, you get into South Florida and uh, SEC play after that, you, you damn well better know. When you move away from quarterback, Travis, and you start thinking about other areas on the team uh, that are going to be spirited competitions in camp, yeah, my mind goes certainly straight to left tackle. You're going to see a competition there, I think, between Elijah Prichett and the, and the freshman incoming Caden Proctor, who, of course, was available for spring practice. Inside linebacker, one area to watch. Wide receiver, another area to watch. But but you you can almost pick to any unit and and, and see some some stiff competition unfolding, depending on how things go. And that kind of goes back to tying into the critical nature of the quarterback position because, again, in week two, you're still going to have other areas of this football team that you're still learning about with Texas coming to town. If it were as simple as just needing a quarterback, I don't think there would be as much concern about that week two matchup. And there, there still would be because Texas should be formidable regardless. But it isn't just quarterback. It is left tackle. It is – are your wide receivers ready to take another step forward? We've heard all about the talent at that position, and it is there, but the play needs to certainly be more consistent. Uh, is the offensive line going to live up to the expectations? And then defensively with Texas coming to town, uh, other than Kool-Aid McKinstry there in your back seven, you're going to have some questions to answer. I think Deontay Lawson, if in fact he is the every down inside linebacker, uh, he can certainly get it done in coverage, uh, but there's things to sort up, sort out right up the middle of that defense. And also, when you talk about the sub-package roles that we both know all so well are, are going to be a big part of all this. Nickel, uh, dime, maybe a little base, not as much as we've seen in years ago. So a lot to figure out, no doubt. Defensively, you mentioned Deontay Lawson. That's going to be one to watch. He was out for the for spring, of course, recovering from some surgery. Um, does he end up the mic? Does he does he stay at the weak side? That's something to watch for sure. You mentioned the safety spot. Uh, how does Malachi Moore do? Kind of stepping into a full time safety role. A lot of experience uh, as a nickel slash dime guy. Um, but you get the sense that he's going to be asked to do more pre-snap, directing traffic, identifying formations, things of that nature. And whether it's Lawson or somebody else, they're going to they're going to need somebody at the at the mic doing that for the front as well. There is, and you know that's the concern I have for whoever that guy is, uh, because it's one thing to run the show and to be the play caller, but then to still be able to serve as a presence post-snap. You know, it's tough when you got to make those calls and those checks. And then, oh, by the way, now we're playing football and there, there can't be much in the way of hesitation. You got to be able to play fast and physical. And really, whereas Henry Toa Toa, I felt like, and Nick talked about this many times, unquestionably, the guy to handle that play caller job the last couple of years, they didn't have that presence, really. I mean, I'm talking about a, 
a legit presence in the middle of the field. Henry was good. He was productive. There's no denying that. Um, but when you think about guys like C.J. Mosley and Reuben Foster and Rolando McLean in the past, uh, they need to get back to more of that sort of standard of play. And you know, the safety positions, as you mentioned, I mean, Caleb Downs, if he's going to be one of those guys as a true freshman, uh, that says a lot about his ability. It also says a lot about what Alabama's looking to replace, not only with their core safeties, but Brian Branch is a sub-package guy, extraordinaire, and uh, Malachi can certainly help in those roles too, whether it's star or money even. Uh, but I think Jalen Key coming in from UAB, I think Trey Amos coming in from Louisiana, you know, that gives you some security there that those guys at their base levels, base positions, safety, corner, also can give you some flexibility with some other guys at safety and corner like Malachi at safety, like Christian Story maybe at safety, or uh, what you can do with Terry and Arnold um, to go along with Earl Little the second, and some of these guys that they're looking to plug into those roles. Yeah, interesting about this transfer group, as opposed to maybe the last couple of years, in that it's going to tell a little bit of, the, of a tale on the staff's ability to evaluate some guys that maybe weren't sought after by all the top teams in the country, right? I, I mean, you know, when Alabama brought in Toa Toa from the, the transfer portal, everybody kind of knew that guy's going to get plugged in and as productive as he was against Tennessee, there was little doubt that he was going to step in and be a pretty big production guy. I think the same thing can be said of Jameer Gibbs when he came in from Georgia Tech and, and maybe a couple others. Well, you know, C.J. Dupre, Tresman Marshall, the, the guys you mentioned, they had options, but nobody was – it's not like all of the Power Five was beating down their doors. And so it's it's definitely going to be, I, I think, uh, uh, a little bit longer feather in the cap for this Alabama coaching staff if a couple of these guys are able to come in and make a, a really big difference at positions of need. And I think system and cultural uh... – crossover translation is big in all this not just in terms of the defensive or offensive schemes that some of these guys played in but you think about it cj dupree played for mike loxley at maryland right the ties there between locks and saban and alabama um you look at tresman marshall coming from a georgia system that is overseen by kirby smart uh even trey amos coming from louisiana just a couple of years ago billy napier uh, out there at, at that program. So uh, there's things that line up and uh, absolutely. And also I think what the portal's done, maybe we didn't talk about it enough is it's taken away. I think a little bit from the secret sauce of Alabama football under Nick Saban, which has always been player development. You just can't count on guys being around for two or three years. It used to be with just the grad transfer rule available to these guys they pretty much were going to be with you for three years. You were going to get three years out of just about every guy you wanted to get three years from. Now, you're not seeing that as much. So the portal is is having to serve in that role. Patience is thin and, and only seems to be getting thinner when it comes to, and, to and, uh, players and advice, wanting playing time. And advice is probably even worse that a lot of these right. guys are getting. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Uh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you 
And look, a, a lot of these guys that decide to leave Alabama in December when that first portal window opens, which is typically where you lose most of your numbers, a lot of those guys might not end up playing a, a lot of football at Alabama. There's some writing on the wall for those guys. But then you have a guy here and there like a Drew Sanders uh, who ends up, you know, leaving uh, – leaving a situation in Alabama where he was going to start without any question last season, decides to take his game to Arkansas, ends up being a solid draft pick and a, and a heck of an inside linebacker for the Razorbacks. Well, uh, Alabama could have used a little help at inside linebacker last year, as you just highlighted a few minutes ago. You know, in, in, a, in another era, that would have been Drew Sanders. It didn't sound like either that Drew hung around Tuscaloosa long enough to even hear Nick out, you know, Nick, when, when he was talking about Drew Sanders at Arkansas and talking about him transitioning in there to inside linebacker, kind of a hybrid backer, Nick said, you know, we kind of had the same thoughts about him here, but, <laughs> yeah. but he wasn't around long enough apparently to take the meeting. So, uh, off to Arkansas, he went one and done with the hogs and now he's in the NFL. Craziness, craziness, no doubt about it. All right, Travis, um, Let's go around the SEC just a little bit when, when you can say, and we'll, we'll stay in the West. I mean, Georgia's going to be a prohibitive favorite in the SEC East for sure. When you look around the West, though, Travis, final year of divisional play in the league, by the way, uh, do you see it as a race that's totally wide open, or does it more look like uh, an LSU-Alabama race to you as it was a season ago? Um I kind of like LSU to win the division. I, I think they've got the pieces to do it, um, but I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to say it's a two horse race either. No, it, it shouldn't be. I mean, when you look at Texas A&M's roster, Chase, shouldn't it be a tri race at least um, in the West? Uh, the quarterback situation looks good with Weigman, and if it's not Weigman, Max Johnson is a veteran of SEC wars, so. Uh, the wide receiver talent at Texas A&M, the, they've got, I think Texas A&M has five former five stars along their defensive front. And that doesn't include McKinley Jackson, who was a four star, who's going to start right over the football for that Aggie defense. So no, I mean, Texas A&M should be very much in that discussion, especially when you consider that Texas A&M, not LSU, gets Alabama at home. This year, LSU has to go to Tuscaloosa this time around. So um, I think beyond those three, uh, I, my balloting uh, for SEC media days, I think I went Ole Miss fourth, Arkansas fifth, State sixth, and Auburn seventh. What about you? I've got Auburn at the bottom of the division. I, I like LSU at the top. I think they've just got too much at, at some of the key positions not to pull it off so if I'm handicapping it right now LSU at the top Auburn at the bottom Alabama I, I think the biggest challenger for the Tigers uh at two A&M three kind of a mixed bag thereafter right I mean you're, you're you're talking about two of the best quarterbacks in the league and KJ Jefferson and, and Will Rogers that would have to figure in somewhere in that four five six neighborhood and you you hate to pigeonhole a couple quarterbacks like that there uh but but that may end up being exactly what happens especially if connor wiegman takes a step forward for for the aggies and you know speaking yeah. of texas a&m travel we we've been talking for people 
for years now, it's, we've been hearing, you know, the, the buyout is just too big. Jimbo's safe because it's it's too much of a buyout to pay off. Well, every year that goes by takes a chunk off of that buyout, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> I think it's still too high as he enters what I think is going to be his sixth year, if I'm not mistaken, at Texas A&M. Uh, but it's starting to come down, Travis, and, and, and I don't think the fan base there wants to hear about a, a th- another third or fourth place finish in the division. No, they don't. They don't. And uh, at A&M, they can just pass around that brass platoon, fill it mm-hmm. up you know, with the cash and uh, do what they do what they need to do. I, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I'm not going to say it's definitely a make or break year for Jimbo, but uh, anything less in the regular season than eight wins, maybe nine. And, you know, we talk so much about this thing from a conference perspective, but I, I think I think Texas A&M, Miami, uh, down in South Florida early in the season is a big, big narrative game for both Jimbo, um, you know, and and also Cristobal. I think I know it's still early for Cristobal, but you know he needs that kind of win too going into. I guess it's year two for him. Yeah, definitely some non-conference games that that are gonna shape things i think i think the same can be said with florida taking on utah again ah, at the top of that geez. gator schedule i don't right? like Billy that Napier. game for the gators no, that, no that's not i don't like that game there they no, pulled not off last the year in a tight one yeah but you're gonna go over there with graham mertz as you're going yeah there. yeah now yeah. i like the backs i mean how do you not like florida's running backs but they're you know they're saying damian george is going to start at right tackle for florida the mm. Alabama transfer. And hey, here's to Damian having a great year and, and and being exactly what Florida needs him to be. But uh, you know, I, I, I think Billy Napier can get it done at Florida. Can he get it done at the level that's gonna appease Gator fans, especially the kind that you and I know? I don't know right. if that's I don't know if that's possible by any coach. Spurrier Gators. Uh, the Spurrier yeah, Gators. Gators. Fun and gun gators. Fun and gun gators. But you know, <laughs> I, I like Billy Napier. I really do. And I, I think he does have a big picture plan. But, boy, it's tough being a program builder in 2023. People ain't got time. They don't They don't typically give you time for that. They want to see it fast. The Talking yeah. Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Moving on, going to thank Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa really quickly. Travis, tell us more about him. Peterbrook Chocolatier right there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Got some rough news. The month of July has come to an end. So the free gelato in July promotion has ceased with the end of the month. Every Wednesday in the month of July on an annual basis, you can go by Peterbrook Chocolatier at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North and get that free scoop of gelato. But fear not, still so many great reasons to swing by Peterbrook. That chocolate bin carousel right there in the middle of the store, whether you want those dark chocolate espresso beans, chocolate almonds, dark chocolate almonds, dark chocolate covered cranberries boy those dark chocolate malt balls you know you'll never eat another whoppers or whatever it is if you go by peter brook chocolatier and try those do it today 1530 mcfarland boulevard north in the indian hill section of tuscaloosa it is peter brook chocolatier 
was just in there about three or four days ago and uh, said hello to Caitlin and and uh, dipped into those those corporate reward, reward points of mine. Travis walked out <laughs> with a sack of Peterbrook, burned 26 points, and I think Caitlin told me I had more than 100 left to go. So Wow. Uh, I'm going to try to pace myself, but I can do yeah. a lot of damage in there right now with that with those reward points. Yeah, those rewards points are are all the rage now, and and everything, all the rave. And but I can't think of a better place to have that type of stockpile than uh, Peterbrook. No doubt about it. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Moving on, Travis. With a few more minutes to go here in the program. You know, we spent much of the first segment talking about question marks on this Alabama team as they enter fall camp. What about strengths, Travis? Let's hit on that really quickly. Um, Unit-wise, offense, defense, special teams, if you could point to one unit and say Alabama can lean on this group, uh, where would it be in your opinion? Well, I like the interior of the offensive line, and I'll tie that in with the backfield. Give me those running backs – J.C. Latham, too, at the one-tackle spot. But I think that offensive line marrying with that running back position and also the quarterback position giving something on designed runs, I think we're going to see. So I guess I'm pointing to the run game, uh, but I would start with uh, the running backs for sure. You know, it kind of feels like Jace McClellan's being undervalued. Are you picking up on that? I mean, obviously, Justice Haynes all the rage in the spring. Yeah, maybe a little bit. He, but Jace right. kind of feels like he's being undersold a little bit as a veteran back. I think part of the reason for that is that production-wise, people are used to seeing Alabama with a Najee Harris, a Damian Harris, somebody with a 1,000-yard season or two in the books and coming back, you know, I mean, we, we've yeah. seen the past, we've seen the torch passed uh, from back to back in this program uh, with, with guys that have posted monster seasons, McClellan, very talented guy. He's also shared a lot of carries certainly with Jameer Gibbs last year. I think Gibbs led the team and, and, and McClellan was second on the team and rushing. Uh, but you know what? And, and of course, Prior to that, it was it was Brian Robinson taking the the monster share of the carries, Travis. But uh, yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, um, maybe he is a little bit under under regarded entering the season. Um, Second team and, preseason and, All SEC, though I guess so. He did get some yeah. love at SEC media days, but I think you hit on it though. I, he's had some injuries too. He's he's had some struggles staying on the field the last couple of seasons. So you got to take that into account, I guess too. He has, he has strengths for me. You know, I'm a Terry and Arnold guy and I'm not sure everybody is. I think he's got a lot of upside and I think him, I I expect him to be a better football player. He was a little bit up and down last season, especially early in the year. Um, But if if Terry and Arnold kind of steps forward the way I think he will uh, combined with Kool-Aid McKinstry, I like what I see from Alabama with those two guys at, at, at outside corner. Um, I think the backfield is going to be solid, like you said. I think the interior of the offensive line brings a lot back, as as you mentioned as well. Um, looking around, though, 
I think just about anywhere you want to point to, there's at least one area where you're you're scratching your head a little bit, saying, "What what are they going to be like? Is you know safety inside line? Is there going to be a dominant defensive tackle? Maybe not, right? Uh, that, that that that's another area to watch for. Offensive tackle one to watch. The wide receivers need to be better than last year, no question. The tight end position loses Cam Latou and, and and is facing some turnover as well. So uh, it, it it's it's going to be an interesting fall camp and 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 to see where these guys shake out in the two deep. If we even get you know Nick Saban, by the way, Travis, if you remember last year when he handed out the depth chart on depth chart Monday. He he warned he warned everybody. He said this might be the last year y'all get one. <laughs> so who knows if we will even know on on depth chart Monday if a depth chart will be. No, they'll tie that into they'll tie that into the collective too. Only if you sign up for Yay Alabama <laughs> right. Chase will you get a depth chart. Yeah, I may have sealed our fate right there with that comment, but it is what it is. <laughs> A lot of fun. All right. Uh, We're going to take a dip in the two deep tumbler before we get out of here on the Talking Tide podcast. See who comes out of here this time. Starting to starting to run out of uh, we'll take two out. Out of spears. And we'll see See who we got. Who we got. All right. Number 30. Like I'm in Philadelphia, Mississippi. All right. Yeah. 30. Jihad Campbell comes out number 30. And we're also getting number two, which is a dual number. The aforementioned Jace McClellan and Caleb Downs. We talked on, we'll, we'll start with that number two McClellan. We already touched on pretty heavily, but what about Caleb Downs, Travis? Uh, You mentioned him earlier, Definitely an opportunity to step forward and, and, and play a lot of football for a young guy at the safety position. You know, we've, we've seen some of these stud safeties come in and play more special teams than not, uh, play more special teams than defense as freshmen. And then, and then it's the sophomore year where you see a lot of these guys jump in and start playing a lot of defense at that spot. Might not be the case with Caleb Downs. I mean, when you look at the spring that he had, you listen to Nick Saban talk about him as a guy who who brings not only the the intangibles, but but certainly more than enough athletic ability and and skill and size, et cetera. Uh, Caleb Downs may play more football on defense as a true freshman than just about anybody you can you can name that's come through, Travis. Yeah, even more than Minka in 2015, and Minka played a lot. I mean, he played that star position as a as a young player, uh, and it coincides, to be sure, with some critical departures. I mean, you lose Jordan Battle, you lose DeMarco Helms. You can throw Brian Branch into that, too, as a core safety. So uh, the, the window's there. There's no doubt about it. And it is the transfer portal era. So there's more movement than there's been ever before. But still, Nick's not going to put someone out there if he's worried about them busting or blowing coverages or not getting calls or being able to make those checks too. And so that probably impresses me as much as anything about Caleb Downs' rapid ascent, even as a five-star prospect coming into UA back in January, you still got a lot to process and, and, and coordinate for, with that safety position. And look, he's another guy, when you talk about sub package roles, I'm sure physically, 
um, he can handle those as well. You just wonder, though, if you're Nick Saban, you're that defensive staff, how much do you really want to put on Caleb Downs? I mean, you need an every-down safety. So if he's that guy, if he's your base safety to go along with a Malachi Moore, then – you know, that's the guy that that's the spot where you're probably trying to get him ready the most. You've got some options at star. Obviously, Earl Little the second comes to mind. Uh, Malachi can play there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, by all accounts, Caleb Downs ready to go. All right, real quick on Jihad Campbell, the inside linebacker, Travis. We saw Nick Saban bring in not only Tresman Marshall out of the portal, but also Justin Jefferson from the JUCO ranks. And so, that speaks to a need right there that this coaching staff wants somebody that they can just plug straight in. So competition for sure for Campbell and, and others at that inside linebacker spot coming in. It's going to be fun to see how that shakes out. Yeah, and Jihad looks like he's made some nice physical gains in that first year in the program. So I think that was a bit of the 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 quest for him early on to get to a point physically you know, where he could play between the tackles, do everything that's required physically still, even in this era of offensive football uh, at that position. And yeah, he's right there in that mix. And as we know, if you're a top three guy at inside linebacker, there's a good chance you're going to have a role of some type. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Travis and I will be back once again, probably Sunday night next week, coming off a of fan day, maybe Monday night. We'll see how it goes. Uh, as we'll continue to cover Alabama football fall camp 2023. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodred of the Tuscaloosa News and Crimson Cover Television, and we'll talk to you next time here on Talking Tide.